Um, hello, everyone. <laughs> um, welcome to another episode of Cranked and Ranked. Uh, if you if you know, then you know this is the uh, second part of our Def Leppard album ranking. Um, we should just jump right into it because if you uh, listen to the last one, we we did ten through six, and now we're doing five through one. And uh, we discovered at the end of last episode that we could easily just draw a line in the mid nineties and all of the lower half of our our list was all from that era. And now we're jumping back. So now it's going to be everything, uh, you know, 92 backwards that we're going to be ranking. So this should be an interesting one and I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. So let's just jump right into it with me as usual is Mr. Eddie Sparks. Hello, sir. What's up? Walls (laughs) up. And, um, yeah, so uh, as usual, we will uh, kick it over to Mr. Sparks uh, for his number five uh, on today's Cranked and Ranked. Sir, take it away. Okay, so my number five pick was On Through the Night. All right. Okay, so this is when they were still kind of finding their feet. They were still figuring out who they are. And this, to me, sounds like if Boston was a new wave of British heavy metal band. I kind okay. of got, got those kind of vibes from certain parts of the music. Um, and obviously, Rock Brigade is, you know, this this classic, catchy, new wave of British heavy metal style song. Uh, awesome riff, great hook and feel. It's it's pretty much just a, a early 80s metal song, really, you know, yeah. in, in context of the time. Um, then you get Hello America, you know, again, those catchy hooks with, you know, new wave of British heavy metal instrumentation and songwriting. You know, this to me could have easily been a Saxon song, um, but that arpeggiated synth in the chorus is uh, adds a little bit of extra 80s glitz and glamour that uh, Def Leppard would be known for as the mm-hmm. decade progressed. Uh, then you get Sorrow as a Woman. Yeah, much more chill. Shows off their more melodic sensibilities. Um, I actually got kind of Eagles vibes off of that song at points. I'm making a lot of comparisons here to like 70s bands. And I, yeah. they they were big into, you know, the stuff from the 70s. So Well, it, it makes sense because it really, overall, this does sound like an album from a band that hasn't quite yet figured out their sound. And so they're kind of influenced by everything going on around them. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, you do hear those little bits here and there. Definitely. I, I, I pick up on a lot of different influences throughout this thing. Uh, it Could Be You, you know, brings the energy right back up. That it driving... Could be you, you, you. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's just this driving hard rock track. You know, it's fucking awesome. Love this song. Um, Satellite, fun 80s rock song. Not my favorite. Still good, though. Uh then you get when the walls came tumbling down, which is this big 
epic track, you know, with an oh so British accent laden intro, <laughs> you know, just like the one on uh, Shout of the Devil. Um, yeah. You know, British accent intros always they're the pride of my nation (laughs) um but yeah it's so strange to think that this is the same band that would write pour some sugar on me you know a few years later um Mm. and then we come to my favorite track on the whole album wasted uh this is one of my favorite Def Leppard songs you know that riff is killer um this is probably the closest thing they ever got to a straight up metal song you know because Everything in that riff to me screams eighties metal. You know, this this song in particular. It's just so intense and so powerful. It's just got that I feel like that's where it crossed over from rock that they were doing into the metal realm. Yeah. Uh, it, it, to me it's a very undeaf leopard sounding song. It's a good yeah. song, but I, I remember that um uh after I had because I got into Def Leopard around pyromania and hysteria and it was a few years later that i went back and listened to this and i remember somebody had it on a cassette tape and we played it just so happened that it was wound to side b and so we started with wasted and i just remember thinking this does not even sound like the same band or singer or anything it's so uh it's an interesting (laughs) song yeah it's, it's just one of those that really jumps out to me um I think, have you heard the Ellefson cover of it? They, they've David Ellefson's recently put together like a band and they've done kind of like a covers album. No, and I didn't hear it. It's, it is made for, for that metal metal sound. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just such a good song. I, I really like that one. And then you get mm-hmm. um, Rocks Off, which, uh, you know, I put, fuck yeah, fake live intros rule and that riff friggin bangs you know the bass is also really audible in the mix too which is nice um because i feel like a lot of 80s metal bands tend to like just kind of copy what the what the bass or the the bass would copy the guitar kind of thing but then you get moments like this which really show it off um then you get it don't matter reminds me of early 80s judas priest um answer to the master uh riff groove nice is is all i've put here (laughs) yeah that's an important thing that you keep saying you keep using the word riff and i think a lot of people seem to forget that um with all throughout the 80s through I, i would say all of their 80s albums there were always heavy riffs like some of the riffs were so good if you take them out of context of a Def Leppard song and just play them on guitar, they're so fun to play. They're so heavy sounding. Yeah. And, I, and I, I do really think that a lot of that is attributed to Steve Clark and Pete Willis. Um, yeah. Because I, I, just, I just feel like all of the albums that those two guys were the, you know, kind of the writers on for the riffs, though, that's where the heavier shit comes in like i mean i like phil collin he's great and all and i like what he brought to the band but i feel like you know early on the first few albums those dudes were kicking out some killer riffs on every album um when did pete willis leave or was was he fired he he was fired um he had i think he had drug and alcohol issues but he wrote and recorded 
most of uh, Pyromania. Right. And and but but then by the time Pyromania came out, Phil Collin was in the band. I see. Um, and I and I yeah. And so and there is even some killer riffs on Hysteria, which leads me to believe that Steve Clark probably was was a big part of that. But yeah, so you have three full albums with uh, with uh, Pete Willis really, you know, having an influence on on their songwriting. Yeah, you can kind of tell because there's there's a certain aggressive bite to these first three that mm-hmm. is kind of gone by the time Hysteria comes out. Yeah, but. Um... Yeah, I just had one more track here, um, Overture. Um, I got a big... This is where the Boston kind of thing came into it for me. Uh, yeah. You know, I actually wrote in my uh, notes here, for the intro, uh, more than a feeling much? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, this this whole album has, has some Boston influence running through it. Uh, really cool. And it's almost Iron Maiden esque at points, which would which would point to their new wave of British heavy metal placing at the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's my take on on through the night. My number five pick. Awesome. And as usual, I'm gonna jump right off of you with my number five, which is also on through the night. Hey. Um. So let's just continue this conversation. So th- this this was their debut. If you don't count the Def Leppard EP that came out the year before, but this was their debut full length. Yeah. And um really like to me this is a a really fun album. It's it's I don't think it's it's one it's not one of those ones that you can really dig in and 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 pick apart little nuances like you could later on in their music. Yeah. Um, but this one is like it's just like a, a a great debut from a talented and like hungry young rock band and you can kind of hear the excitement that they're feeling playing this music, like they're just having a blast playing rock and roll. Yeah. And so the I, the idea of where do we go from here, I don't think they were even thinking that. I think they were just like, shit, we got a record deal, we're making an album, let's fucking do it. And it's it's almost like it's not overthought, you know, mm. which you could easily say later on down the line, they overthought a lot of shit. <laughs> but this is the one album where I think for sure you you can't say that. Um, and it just has like the little bit of hint of what's to come. Like if you're a really big Def Leppard fan, you can pick out the little elements that would carry on with other Def Leppard. But for the most part, this does sort of fit in. It, it's weird that they, they do get at the time, I guess they were lumped in with the Nwabam ban, uh, bands, but they really were already on the outskirts because they were way more poppy. They had way yeah. more pop hooks in their songs than anyone else and um, I don't know. To, to me, that this is uh, it's such a fun album. And if we were if we were talking, if we get there to the, uh, the our top five of 1980, this might very well be in my top five of 1980 wow. because it's just one of those ones that you put it you put the thing on, and you just have a great time. And um, it's just a weird it's a weird album because you know you, you're going through all of the songs and I'm like yeah you know I like Rock Brigade and and Wasted's cool but like to me there's no real standout tracks it's maybe standout moments but yeah. the but the uh, the vibe the whole vibe of the album is kind of infectious it it just it just uh, you you can't have a bad time listening to this album. Um, yeah, and uh, and a really a really interesting thing too is that a couple of the songs have almost like bluesy elements to them that it almost seems like they kind of abandon that very quickly. 
Um, yeah. And if they if they do have any sort of bluesy elements, it's very layered deep in the rock. Um, whereas here, it, it, they let it show through a little bit more. Um, but yeah. Oh, and one of the most interesting things to me is that every time I think of this album, I immediately go, on through the night! And that <laughs> song is not on this album. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> the song, on, on Through the Night, is not on the album, On Through the Night. Um, we'll get to that eventually. Um, but yeah, overall, like, you know, like I said before, this is a band still finding their sound, but it is, it's a hell of a debut. Um, so, I mean, really at this point, we're just talking about amazing records to me. So, uh, this is yeah. the, these out of the, this is the fifth mo- most amazing record they made. <laughs> <laughs> so we can move on to number four. Cool. So, uh, for my number four. Now, this might be where we start to differ. I, I, I don't know. Um, I've gone for High and Dry as my number four. All right. Um, like you said previously, it's a very straight ahead. Uh, I think in the last episode, you mentioned how it was such a straight ahead rocker of an album. Um or you might have just said that to me outside of the podcast. So I know you said it, <laughs> and um, I'm sure I did. It does. It does. It does. Straight ahead rock quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, like unlike the previous album, that this one's pretty pretty much like consistent with what it knows it wants to be at this point. You know, it, it's. Would I be correct in saying this is probably the heaviest album? Like, yeah, yeah. I would. I would. I, because you, there are there are some pretty heavy riffs on this album yeah. so i would say i would say yeah yeah and it's like it's i feel like i don't want to say it's the least polished but i feel like it's the least it's got the least synth of any def leopard or yeah. like that kind of extra production work on it it's very well, just i was, let I was gonna say because yeah sorry i was gonna say that, that <laughs> this you know that mutt lang produced this but um, it still has a very sort of rock and roll. It's not, it's not as uh, uh, produced, I guess, as, as later stuff, but I almost feel like that's a turning point in the career of Mutt Lang because prior to this, you know, he did three ACDC albums and all of those are just straightforward rockers or maybe for those, for those about to rock, I think came out the same year, 81, I, I think, I don't know. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I guess I guess you are also hearing Mutt Lang, you know, in the in his early stages before he got crazy about using technology and and milking everything for everything you could get because this this album does have a feels like it has a lot more room to breathe. Yeah, um, like sonically, I guess. And it's funny you should mention that he worked with ACDC because a lot of this album sounds like it could easily be on an ACDC album. Yeah. Like a lot, a lot of the riffs on here are very within that kind of vibe. And right off the bat, you've got "Let It Go," which is this fucking awesome album album opener. Hell yeah! yeah. And to me, it sounds like an even better version of ACDC. You know that kind of just that it just yeah. with the vocals shouting along with it. Let it and go. The, yeah. Let it rock. And, and it's the, it's almost it's almost and it's kind of the beginning of the layered harmony vocals. It's kind of on a smaller scale, but you start yeah. hearing that on this album. Plus the the midsection of Let It Go is so good. That entire riff 
like it's like it's literally just they're there that's what i'm talking about with those guys they would write those guitar parts that's just like this is better than the fucking vocals of this song (laughs) (laughs) yeah it they're very singable guitar parts yeah and and that i think lends itself excellently to their sound um then you get another hit and run which is this awesome Mm. it's just this one-two punch of two awesome songs right right next to each other um then you get, you know, High and Dry, Saturday Night. It's great 80s rock vibe to it. Party rocker for sure. That literally um, is a song that you put on if you're about to go out on a Saturday night and you yeah. will be fucking ready by the time the song's over. Totally. It is that. It, it's just this, like, vibe check for a second. It's like, you're down to party, right? You're three tracks yeah. in. Make your mind up, <laughs> you know? And then, um, guess what? Guess what's at track four? <gasps> The ballad, <laughs> which is and a what? What a fucking ballad it is, man! Yeah, yeah. Like it's their first. It, would I be correct in saying it's their first ballad? Like, yeah. Pa- I mean, I guess there's, there are slower parts on on through the night, but I, I, I think there's not a defined ballad until now. Yeah. But this man, they nailed it right out of the gate. This is probably my favorite Def Leppard ballad. We're talking about bringing on the heartbreak. But, it's a um, damn damn good song. Yeah, it is. It is. It, it is. It is perfect. It is so well written and performed. It, it, yeah. it never gets old. This song never gets old to me. Gypsy sitting looking pretty. Ooh. So fucking Ooh. good. You got. You guys got that for free. Yeah. <laughs> but the free trial is up. You got to pay for the rest of the record. <laughs> Um, speaking of which, I'm going to set up a Patreon. <laughs> no, not yet, but but that's that's later down the line. I'll I'll set I'll set something up eventually. But um, yeah, then you get this um instrumental track, which is a uh, switch six two five, and it's just this awesome heavy riff, and like it it's really chuggy for for like the era it came out. It's yeah. it's like just a gen 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 those in there oh, just so absolutely to me, rips to me that's always been the ending of bringing on the heartbreak because yeah. um i don't know how it is over there but in on american rock radio on your on your sort of classic rock stations they play those two together really? like it, it, it'll be bringing on the heartbreak into that and it's it's always felt like yeah you don't stop it there you let it go into that instrumental because <laughs> it's just so good yeah and you know I wholeheartedly support that because this song is fucking awesome, mm-hmm. and you know I actually forgot how good this album is because like people always talk about you know hysteria or if you're a little too cool for school pyromania, but this fucking album rules. Yeah, yeah, like like we say, this is the upper half of our rankings, so you know it's fantastic yep. and um i would say you know at this point in the album though we do get to a couple of tracks that didn't quite float my boat as much uh you got you got me running it was very acdc in its intro in fact all way all round very acdc song it's not quite as hard rocking as some of the previous tracks it's not bad but it doesn't quite jump out as hard to me 
And then, yeah, I think also the chorus isn't quite as rewarding as other choruses that they write. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's followed up with uh, Lady Strange, which, you know, it's got some Iron Maiden style harmonies in there. But mm. and it's a little bit more up my alley. It feels similar to the previous track in some ways, perhaps just a better version. But these two tracks mark a bit of an energy dip for me in this album. Um, yeah. But once you get to the uh, previous album's would-be title track, uh, <laughs> yeah, on on through the night. Now, now this is more like it. You know, after a couple weaker tracks, they give us this bad boy. Um, they liked this title so much that they used it twice. Uh, first for their debut album, and now for this awesome song. And that that's actually true. They liked it so much, they didn't want to just use it once. So they, they put the song on a separate album. Which I mean, I'm, I'm glad they did. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly spices up the experience of this one, because you're, you're like, hang on a minute, wait, which album am I listening to? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then... Uh, and then you get the last two songs, Mirror, Mirror, Look Into My Eyes. Like That's, that's a great one. That's a great this, one. This album is just chock full of really great riffs, which just take an ACDC-esque tone and give it more of a mysterious, borderline heavy metal edge. Uh, it's a really cool song. And then finally you get No, 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 uh, which is this wild rock and roll closing track, uh, one of the best on the record. That riff is excellent, and Joe Elliott is just nuts on this. He's just going for it. And uh, in the vinyl version, I believe, at the end, when it goes, no, 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 it apparently is a locked groove. I don't have yeah. a pressing of it, but he just keeps saying no until <laughs> until he stopped playing it. Yeah, yeah, I don't have that one on vinyl. My, I actually looked for and got a a slightly later version of it from the 80s that also has Me, uh, me and My Wine and the bringing on the heartbreak remix yeah um so i think that one was like 84 when that one came out or something like that um but yeah the original one which i hope to get my hands on one day has that locked groove which i i don't know why i love that shit just just messing around with the with the medium of vinyl is just something that doesn't get done enough and and it should because it's i don't know why it's so fascinating to me i have a uh I have a, a Monty Python vinyl where <laughs> depending on where you put the knee, uh, the needle down, it plays an entirely different side. No like you, way. Like they have one side that just plays one thing, but then the second one is two slightly shorter sides that are in two different grooves in the record. And so you have to know where to put it in order for it to play the diff- two different things. So it's wow. almost like if you didn't know they did that, you'd be listening to it again and be like, I don't remember any of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> that so is I love genius. it when bands do that. Yeah. That, well, that Monty is... Python were fucking genius. So yeah, yeah. There you go. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's actually really cool. That's kind of blown my mind. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very cool. Awesome. So that that was my that was my number four, high and dry. Nice. And uh, um, I'm not going to continue with you there, sir. I'm gonna ah. I'm gonna <laughs> take a little bit of a turn. And my number four is uh, Adrenalize from 1992. Um, and uh, once again, what we're talking about amazing albums here. Um, the the thing that I like so much about this album is the fact that it came out post Nirvana and is still 
poppy Def Leppard to the max. Like they, yeah. like I do, I realized that the majority of this or all of it was already done before Nirvana blew up. So I, I'm guessing they just, they didn't want to turn coat and go back and, and redo <laughs> everything. But um, for some reason, just that that part alone is enjoyable to me. Um, and this is also. Um, the first album they did after a long time that didn't obviously have Steve Clark because he died, although there's songwriting from him on this album and, yeah. uh, and, and Mutt Lang was not around to produce this thing. Um, and, and somehow they still managed to get this really big rock sound, uh, from Mike Shipley. Mike Shipley was the producer, which I, I do think that Mike Shipley, may have worked as an engineer on those earlier Mutt Lang albums. So I think maybe he had kind of an idea of, you know, where to, where to put all the switches and settings <laughs> to yeah. give it the Mutt, the Mutt Lang isms. Um, but it's, uh, <laughs> uh, the one thing that I do remember though, as much as I, you know, nowadays like the fact that they stuck to their guns in the nine, early nineties, I remember, you know, because I was a huge fan of, of the band by this point, like, you know, everyone, if you're, if you were around at that point, you probably loved hysteria and I loved it. And finally they, they were going to premiere a new music video from a new song for Def Leppard. And the song was let's get rocked. Yeah. And, and at the time I was like, this is really dumb. Like it was (laughs) like, I was hoping for something big and cool and it's not, it's very dorky. And, um, it, it, at the time I could see why a lot of people thought it kind of sucked because it, it, it was in between all of this other kind of serious alternative rock that was bubbling up. And then a lot of the eighties bands that were trying to shed their images and write more serious stuff. And here's Def Leppard. <laughs> you know, sticking sp- to their spose, guns, spose rocks out of the question. You know, it's like <laughs> so. Um, Not to mention the so, video. Yeah, the video, which was like nowadays, it's all. I, I think it was supposed to be groundbreaking and it's computer animation, but now it just looks <laughs> fucking hilarious. It's, um, it, it's like a, it's like a um, scrapped Pixar movie that was uh, put in a blender. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the thing about this album is that they did focus so much on the pop hooks, like, yeah. um, like, like hysteria was already a very poppy album, but this one like took that and ran with it. Like there, mm. this is almost just a pop rock album. Like you can't, you can't make any connection. Well, it would be very thin connection to the new wave of British heavy metal. Like it's, <laughs> it's far removed from that. Um, and, um, the big reason, as much as I enjoy this album, there's a lot of great tracks on here. Um, one of the things that keeps it lower down on the list for me is the fact that I feel like there's not as much to discover within the songs. So, you know, High and Dry, Pyromania, Hysteria, those are all albums that you listen to it, and depending on what you're paying attention to, sometimes you will hear different things and different elements and something that you didn't pay attention to because you were paying attention to Joe Elliott, you miss on guitar. You know, it's, it, it was a lot of things where you could listen to those albums over and over again and get something new out of them. I don't think Adrenalize really has much of that. It's very sort of what you see is what you get. Um, yeah. And it's good. But um, really, it's, uh, 
in the trajectory of Def Leppard, you had three gigantic steps up by Def Leppard. And then this one is a mini kind of step down, still not going low. It's still better than pretty much anything their contemporaries put out around that time. Um, But it, but it does feel like the climb is over. Like we're not going to get this next big Def Leppard thing. And we didn't, you know, this is, this is one of those things where um, at the time as a fan, it was a bit of a letdown, but I do have to say, as a as a person who's continued to be a Def Leppard fan, this album has aged very well. Like, yeah. like I'll, I'll put it on now, and it is thoroughly enjoyable. And I mean, there's there's amazing songs on here, and and honestly, some of the ones that I love the most are the most poppy, like the the ballads on this thing. Like, oh yeah, like Stand Up, Kick Love into Motion is so well written, but it is you could easily say that's not a rock song at all. And I'd be like, well, yeah, I guess not, <laughs> you know? Um, and then have you ever needed someone so bad? That could have been like a country ballad probably, but it's, uh, <laughs> have it's you just all... ever needed someone so bad? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You could, yeah. you could totally do it. So, um, so the, the one thing that I said at the beginning that I like about this album is I don't know if it was intentional. I don't know if they intentionally said, you know, fuck this new trend. We're going to be Def Leppard. But I like to think that that's what this album was. It was, it was yeah. them. Because this, what was this released? Uh, March of 1992. So by March of 1992, Nirvana was one of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah. By that point. And um, I just feel like this thing came out and they were just like, fuck it. Why is everybody going with this trend we're already a band that established our sound that nobody else has. So the fact that they stuck to their guns, it just makes this album that much more meaningful to me. Cause I'm like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, that they did that. And and yeah. now we, we get to enjoy this thing uh, years and years later. They, they, they stayed their path. They just said, fuck it. We were, we're Def Leppard. Here's a Def Leppard album. Um, and, and honestly, like it, it, it ended up, it, it, you know, was number one on the billboard charts here. So it, it did well for them. Um, I think it was a little bit down the line. People started to hate on it, but I think, I don't think it's warranted. I think it's a good record. I feel as though I kind of want to say they played it safe, but it's like they didn't at the same time because they stuck to their guns in an era where the music they were making couldn't have been dumber you know, to the public yeah. consciousness. So, and they you know, released, and they released a dumb first song. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's almost like they just—it was a middle finger to grunge. You know, just yeah. like whatever. What you, you guys are so funny. We're Def Leppard. We can buy yeah. and sell you. You know, so it's like know. you can't kill us, man. Our drummer's only got one fucking arm, and we're still together. So it's yeah. like they—it was a most triumphant album. <laughs> Yes, but um, so yeah, that's all I got to say about that one. It's it's uh, it's one of those things where um, over the years, I do think that it's it's gotten better in my ears. Like I yeah. like I'll, I'll hear songs from it and go, ah, that's so fucking good. And and and, it's, and I guess the only thing is that it, the fact that it has to live in the shadows of those three previous albums is the only yeah. thing that sort of holds it down. But I mean, for a band, it's all like if you have if you make albums that are so amazing that another amazing album doesn't sound that great, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, then <laughs> then you're a pretty great band. So there you go, number four, Adrenalize. 
Awesome. Well, you're going to be pleased to know that the flow is back because my number three is Adrenalize. Sweet. Nice. Okay, so um, track number one, obviously, Let's Get Rocked. Uh, Stone Cold classic. Absolutely excellent. It's, it's hilariously dated in its video, but it that's what makes it endearing. It, it's it's yeah. it's it really is like you say it's like a middle finger to all the serious stuff that was happening at the time which i'm not opposed to but i can understand and respect a decision like this to kind of stay true to what they wanted to do you know they yeah. wanted to make a, a def leppard album in I an also era feel, i was i also feel like this song is a great if you if you put it on on a jukebox in a bar it's a great one to gauge who the cool people are in the room because, <laughs> because or, or the I'm using the term cool, not cool. The people that I want to hang out with, I look around the room and as soon as you hear, do you want to get rock? If, if people go, Oh yeah. Then I'm like, fuck yeah. You're my friend. <laughs> <laughs> or, or if they're the people that go, who put this on? I'm like, okay, never mind. I know not to approach you. <laughs> you you are not one of us. <laughs> it's a line in the sand in, in a song. I've I've got I've got some good stories about this album, dude. Uh, specifically with track five, but we'll uh, we'll get there in a minute. We'll get there. Um, okay, so track two, Heaven Is. It's just shamelessly eighties rock music. You know, perhaps a couple years late to the party, but it doesn't care. You know, this is this is arguably the last big album of the big hair era to hold yeah. on to the big eighties production. You know. After this point, all their contemporaries jumped ship and tried to go grunge, with like the exception of maybe Vince Neil, who brought an album album out in '93. Um, but you know, most of them had jumped ship and gone grunge or like heavy. even even prior to this, some of them had, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, you know, this album might be Hysteria too, but I don't care. This is just a great eighties rock <laughs> yeah. song. You know, they had more, they had more fuel in the tank from that. Yeah. Um, make love like a man, you know, kind of cheesy, but they admit it was tongue in cheek. It, they, they were actually first draft lyrics that they just stuck with. Um, but I don't look to eighties hard rock and glam for stuff that wouldn't be considered somewhat cheesy. You know, I, I don't come to this music for for depth. I come to it for a good time. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, but then we get tonight, which is this epic, sexy ballad. Uh, this is one of my favorites. You know, I love how it has a darker edge to it, and when that chorus really goes off, it's just badass. And I think it's testament to how good they are at songwriting that they can make you know the ballad a standout you know yeah yeah and that that is a good an important point of a lot a lot of their stuff which i think they 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 managed to do occasionally from this point on but but they did more earlier where they would have these really dark sounding songs yeah but they were they were also so melodic that sometimes you didn't even notice that there was a dark tone to the song because it just, yeah. you know, it sounds poppy, but there's a lot more weight to it than some other poppy shit you'd be listening to. I would agree. I agree completely. And now we've got probably the longest note I've ever written. <laughs> All right. But it's a bit of a story time. So here we are. Eddie's story time jingle. Hello. 
Welcome to Eddie's. <laughs> I was trying to do one of those. Never mind. <laughs> no, no, go, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> it was, I was, there were these storybook records that I would listen to when I was a kid. And when you were, <laughs> and it would always begin with like, you'll know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was giving you a chime and we're yeah. turning into the first page of the book. I'm sure I had some tapes like that when I when I was l- really really young, like yeah. you, you're talking like three. But yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, I've I've got for this note. This is the best track on this album. It's so fucking epic. Um, on a frosty late October morning back in college in 2015. I was driving my mum to work and myself to the bus stop near my grandparents' house. I only had a provisional license, so I wasn't allowed to drive the rest of the way on my own. But I digress. I'd recently bought myself the deluxe two-CD edition of Adrenalize. This was before I got a stereo with an aux cord, so I would actually bring the CDs with me instead of solely using my iPod. Anyway, I would have to leave relatively early in the morning... Uh, so watching the sunrise as I drove was a common sight. But this morning was something else. In that guitar intro where it kind of where it's kind of bubbling over and then feeds back until the yeah. like really epic bit where the guitar really comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, at that exact moment, I was driving from like the peak of a hill where it was just fields and trees for miles. And the sun peaked over the horizon in exact time with the song. And it was one of the most badass, hair-raising things I've ever experienced. And it was like something out of Top Gun. And <laughs> that is if, why... If only, you, if only you had been on a motorcycle. Yeah, you know, and that is why this is one of, if not my favorite Def Leppard song. It's a that great is, one. That is one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me in my life. <laughs> but yeah awesome i love that song (laughs) so uh then we get to track six uh stand up kick love into motion that is a pure aor song you know i'd expect nothing else from a band like this during this era it's a great song nonetheless it's not my personal favorite but i can still appreciate it for what it is yeah um then you get personal property which I've seen get kind of dogged on, but I kind of like it actually. You know, it's it's a bit more of a sunset strip, edged kind of thing. It's picking up the pace a bit. It's a good time track. I really like this one. If it fits in a little bit more with "Let's Get Rocked" and "Make Love Like a Man" for me, where it seems like there wasn't a whole lot of thought put into it, yeah. Especially oh, lyrically, mostly, but yeah, I think that's probably what holds it down. And then, kind of back to the um, poppy ballad. AOR kind of feel you get have you ever needed someone so bad which you know I put lighters in the air people you know this is 80s you know balladry done right <laughs> this is this is like they, they some of there are those certain songs that you could imagine being younger it, for, for me anyway and um 
making a mixtape for a girl yeah. that you really liked and you would put this song on there and it was supposed <laughs> to be the one that gave them the feels and they'll be like, oh, Steven made me this mixtape and now I'm feeling things, you know? Because I'm going to take that him sort to the of... dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it never worked out that way for me. But, you know, but I, I made a lot of mixtapes in my day, but... Um, rarely did they have that effect, but this one, just something about just the end, you know, with Joe Elliott's the, you know, I gotta have you, baby. Like it's, <laughs> it's really just like, oh yeah. Like if I was a woman, I'd be like, oh yeah, Joe, I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on board for all of whatever you got. Bring it my way. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's that, it's just such a, it's tailored perfectly to its audience, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, they, they knew exactly what they were crafting with this album. Um, uh, now, here's a funny little... I've got a pretty funny note on this one. Um, I want to touch you. Uh, <laughs> what, I, what I would consider to be the album's stripper riff exists in the verses of this song. Yeah. All, all 80s rock records had a pole dancer riff, and on this... Here it is. Um, you know, a good song. Reminds me of the summer of uh, 2015, just before I went to college. Uh, just uh, don't touch the strippers. Uh, that's the rules. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I want to touch you. Good song. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel dirty saying that, like, song title. It's like, oh, hey, what's your, what's your favorite Def Leppard song? I want to touch you. Oh, hey, coming on a little strong there. Like, <laughs> but then um, finally you get Tear It Down. Um, finally, this this rocker closes out the record. It's got some, uh, you know, with some drier production, it could have easily been on high and dry, in my opinion. It, this is it was, a, it was actually written and recorded for Hysteria. Was it? And, and then re-recorded for Adrenalize. Ah, you can on the on the on the I think the newer deluxe versions of Hysteria, you'll hear you can hear the Hysteria version of Tear It Down. I'm intrigued to hear that now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love hearing like a, a song that was like initially from one era and then was saved for another one. But then hearing the original version, because it's like this thing's been around much longer yep. than people think. Well, yeah. I think that's you know that's that's one of the things because if you if you look, um, it's not just that song. Like like so many of the songs on this album still have Steve Clark listed as a songwriter. Yeah. So he was really involved in a lot of the writing, and they kept a lot. I mean, why wouldn't you, you know, yeah. keep keep a lot of his his stuff? Because clearly he was a a hell of a riff writer. Um, mm. But yeah, tear, tear it down's a, a really great album closer. Awesome. So that is my number three, Adrenalize. Cool. So uh, my number three obviously is not going to be uh, the same as yours because I already covered that album. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it is an album that you already covered. My number three is High and Dry from 1981. Hey. So um, the, we said a lot about this album already. Like it, it's to me, it is a... For, for a one-year gap between albums, it is a huge leap in quality, in songwriting quality, performances, even Joe Elliott's uh, vocals. Everything is so improved here. 
Yeah. And um, we already talked about like there, there, there's it, it's literally great song after great song. Now I, I'll agree with you. The the first half is is way better than the second half. The first half of the like if you're just talking about a record, side A is absolutely perfect. There is yeah. no bad song. It is killer song after killer song for the whole first side. Um, and we talked about those. Let it go, another hit and run, high and dry, bring it on the heartbreaks, switch 625. It, it's like, it's it's perfect. Um, if the other side had been that perfect, my head would have probably exploded. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, but um, it's just one of those albums that takes off running and it's, you're, if, you, if you're into it, you're along for a, a hell of a ride. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on a lot of things. You got me running in lady strange kind of, kind of weak tracks. Um, uh, especially, um, I really do think that you got me running almost sounds like it, it was a leftover from on through the night and it may have been, um, because it's, it has more in common to me with the sound of that album than it does for what Def Leppard would become. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, mirror, mirror, no, no, no. I mean, it's it's one of the, we we've we've talked about this. Like, it's just such a well done album, and um, honestly, there are things about it that, depending on how I feel, I, I might consider this my favorite Def Leppard album. But it's only because I really enjoy second albums from bands. I really enjoy an album that still has a little bit of the sort of um, raw uh, hunger that, you know, that, and, and, and I don't know, that, that exists on first albums. I say these things a lot about albums like Ride the Lightning, um, where yeah. you hear a little bit of the rawness still left over, but you easily hear the huge step that was taken for, forward for whatever the band was, you know, and in, in the case of Def Leppard, they went from sounding like a band that you could compare to other bands going at the time to being a band that sounded like nobody else. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that they managed to do that while still having this kind of raw edge to some of the tracks, it just makes it that much more of an enjoyable album to me. And, um, um, really like the only thing that keeps it down is the fact that they, um, they topped this fucking album two times in a row. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, that's all I got to say about that one. High and dry. My number three. Cool. Okay. So my number two, this, this is where, you know what I, I'm, I'm going to, cause I've got two left. I want to give you a little guessing game. Okay. Which of these two last albums in my list is my number two? You've got a choice between Pyromania or Hysteria. Oh, you're you're at, you wanting me to guess what your number two is? Yeah, it's yeah. Pyromania. No. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Because earlier you made that comment of like, if you're too cool for school, you might say Pyromania is your favorite album. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like somebody is too cool for school here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I took the liberty of looking at some lists online and seeing what would get placed at the top. And generally yeah. speaking, Hysteria is, is usually the top pick. But 
I did come across a few Pyromanias, but Hysteria, for me, came in at number two. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, while it is excellent, it's just... It's lacking one little thing about Pyromania that really makes Pyromania stand out to me, okay, personally. Okay. But, um, yeah, we'll get to that one soon. So... Uh, Hysteria starts off with women, uh, you know, cool track that in- introduces us to this brand new shiny Def Leppard, you know, with this much higher emphasis on the production. And, you know, obviously Rick Allen's new drum setup had a huge part in that and having to rework their sound in- into being this not only adapted for him, but really taking advantage of what the 80s had to offer in terms of production and that's showcased really well on the following track rocket which is very experimental sounding considering it's a single in an era of shred you know these guys decided to have this trippy drum solo section showing off their sampling skills and yeah really really cool like reverse vocal parts and stuff and it's it's very much a journey of a song, but... Uh, That's the one that... thing that I loved about e- even the single version that had the music video. Sure, they yeah. chopped off little bits to make it a little shorter, but they still included the fucking weird middle part. And as a, as a young person, when this came out, I was 10 when I think I first heard something off of this. I was yeah. I was so like, that. this is rad. I, I mean, I love the the weird samplings that they did of of their own vocals and fucked with them and stuff like i thought it was great and that um finally on this track that chorus you know i'll be out dinner rocket dinner yeah dinner just those really fucking punchy parts it this album was made for stadiums and you can tell you know this is pure stadium rock and you get to track three animal uh 80s rock classic goes without saying this somehow takes me back to a time i wasn't even alive for but it's such an it does such a great job of taking you somewhere else yeah no i i'm i'm with you because i was alive then and i would say that the two songs on here that really do that for me are Animal and Hysteria. They're songs that you hear. Yeah. You hear the riffs and the way that the, just the vibes of the song, it feels like a different time. And you, yeah. you almost, you feel it physically. Like, and, and there's something crazy about that with me. But yeah, Animal is definitely one of those songs. It almost feels like it was designed to be nostalgic because yeah. they're quite, you know, wistful sounding songs. Um, and then you get Love Bites, track four ballad, tried and true formula. It works, people. Um, gr- but that, great- I mean, love, love, what a fucking song. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, a, and it's, and it's one of those things where it, it, you, you learned that it was originally intended to be a country song by Mutt Lang. Like, wow. if, I, I don't know how much of the songwriting ended up being taken over by Def Leppard, but the story is, that Mutt Lang was fiddling around with a song that was intended for country music, and then they adapted it um, for their, themselves and made it into Love Bites. 
And so, um, I don't, I mean, I don't think lyrically it was the same. I think it was just maybe the melody of, of the, of, you know, of the verses and the chorus maybe, but, um, that's an interesting fact about that song. Which is so weird to think about because it's such a not sound, not country sounding song. Like yeah. I'm really trying to wrap my head around how this could have been anything other than what it well, is. Well, just take it down a notch. Like imagine a lower register vocal and an acoustic guitar. Like when you make love, do you yeah, look hear, in the mirror? Like you know, saying I, like it I could easily it be. Uh, <laughs> I was playing. A, I was playing a fake acoustic guitar over here when nobody at home can see that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you can hear it in there. But I, I like I said, I don't think. I think it was in its infancy. It was intended to be country, and I think yeah. very quickly it got turned into a rock ballad. And it's man, it is the the thing that I love about this song. I'm, I'm totally taking over your your thing here. Um, nah, I don't it. know why I've always loved it, but the I've all it, it's such a simple um, part of the song that you kind of overlook, but it it brings a, a a weight to it in the in the chorus. You you know you know uh, the when they're doing when there's the singing parts and then there's the guitar that does the yeah. Like for some reason that is so good. Like and that's you know I, it, Phil Collin all the way. I'm just like. That just brings so much more to the song. And that's what I mean when I talk about ha- their songs around this time having a lot to unpack, because that is a thing that you could easily just overlook the first time you listen to the song. Like there's mm. always little guitar melodies and things that the song is awesome because of all of these things. And if you really like think about it, you're like, man, they all of these little this is one of those albums that it took four years to make or whatever, and it really shows. Like if you're gonna yeah. take a long time to make a record, it better sound like hysteria, <laughs> you know. <laughs> For sure, you know it's it's just such a you can tell it was meticulously worked over and over yeah. and over. Like someone's people slaved over this thing to make it sound the way it does. But goddamn, it, it it sounds so good even now. I mean, I know it's such a definitively '80s production, but it sounds fantastic. You know? But it's but it's it's one of those things where it's the same thing. Like, I always get annoyed at people writing off albums like this for their sound because it sounds dated. And I'm like, well, nobody watches Citizen Kane and says this this movie is dated. No, yeah. they're all like, this is a classic piece of cinema, and here's what it looked like at the time. I'm like, that's what Hysteria is. Hysteria is a classic piece of rock and roll history that. This is how it sounds, and that's what makes it amazing. Like it doesn't take away from it at all. Like, like you can have all your modern production shit. This this still exists as the great thing that it was. And if you're going into an old school kind of album, expecting it to sound modern, you <laughs> yeah. you need you need to really think about what you're doing when you're going into listening to something because you know. You can't just turn around and say, oh, this has got uh, gated 80s Simmons toms on it. It's, <laughs> you know, it's therefore inferior to this, which came out 30 years later. And it's like, well, no shit. We've got better sounding, you know, more realistic drum samples 30 years later. 30 years have happened in that time, but dude, I'll, I'll, happily... I'll take the drums on this album over most modern shit. <laughs> oh, f- <laughs> you know, oh, for sure. Makes yeah. me very uncool, but it's the truth. 
you know, to be honest, I've I have nothing against the eighties drum sound, and I'm a drummer, yeah. you know. And you know, so many people say, "Oh, all the gated reverb takes out the 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 character and the livelihood of the drummer." I'm like, well, if you wanted, you know, you wouldn't ask the drum machine from the Human League to play in the fucking <laughs> I- Ohio players, would you? You know, come on. You know, the, <laughs> in the human league. You know, well, it's, it's true. But like, he had just... a name. <laughs> <laughs> He's he was called Lindrum. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's just I have a soft spot for eighties production. Yeah, and that's okay. People are allowed to like things. People are allowed to dislike things. But. Uh, you know, if if you write off an album because of its production, because it's old, I feel like you're approaching it with the wrong mindset right from the get-go. Yeah. Because this, this is a fantastically recorded album for its era, and it holds up now, in my opinion. I, I agree. And um, am I correct in thinking that they recorded chords one string at a time on certain parts of this album? Like they really, I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, because there are some really like otherworldly sounds on this record, and I've heard things like that about this album. It it would make sense because of the style of the production, and I I, I guess to get certain sounds that would be, it, it, I, I, yeah, I mean, it would make sense all of a sudden because when you play a chord. Um, I think even the best guitar player, there's going to be one or two strings that isn't getting the same resonance as the other ones. So if you're doing it one string at a time, that's a pretty interesting idea. I mean, it would take forever, yeah. <laughs> but it's an interesting idea. That's why it took four years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one string at a time. <laughs> one note at a time. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, moving on the track list, we've got uh, Pour Some Sugar On Me, which is an undisputed classic stripper song you know, right wouldn't you say it, it it is the stripper song like <laughs> all stripper riffs owe it to this song you know especially anything in the late 80s and early 90s because this here took whatever people did with the stripper riff and made it the whole damn package this here is it you know it's it's next to songs like wild side and girls 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 and stuff like that for a reason it's fucking sexy (laughs) yep and um here's the point where we get into the album's kind of it really plays with the album's vibe at this point um you know armageddon it great riffs great vibe great song it's rocking and melodic which is exactly what i come to def leppard for gods of war another great song for pretty much the same reason i'm gonna stop you there for a second so what you what we just went through was the entire first side of an album six tracks all six were singles all six had music videos i think women was probably the lesser of the hits but that's the quality of this album you can release the entire side A as singles and it's successful. <laughs> like that yeah. is insane. I mean, this is this is a huge, huge album. You're talking like one of the best selling albums of the 80s, if I'm 
correct? Yeah, he's up probably yeah. up there with like Thriller and albums like that. For which Thriller was another one. Well, I don't think there was an entire side of singles, but there was a shitload of singles off of that. So it's it's that caliber of popularity. Like this album literally became the biggest album I think in the world for if for a time. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I like I was saying about. Um, Armageddon it's rocking and melodic and you know it's got the hooks but it's also got that you know bite behind it just enough to be you know rock instead of just like straight up pop but then you get you know Gods of War it's another great song for pretty much the same reason as the previous track Um, Don't Shoot Shotgun you know another great fun song great intro hilariously 80s intro you know is that for cover yeah. she's so dangerous <laughs> <laughs> it's so so good um run riot seriously the vibe in this part of the album doesn't let up you know it's great times great times have been had with this record on yeah um, songs like well we could probably name about a dozen songs that are like this from Def Leppard but Run Riot and Gods of War to me are really great examples of the fact that Def Leppard were so good at writing songs. The pre-chorus of their song is already amazing and you're already satisfied and then it goes to the chorus which yeah. is which is another level. Like Def Leppard's pre-choruses were better than most bands' choruses. Like they yeah. had so much like in their in their whatever in their their arsenal of songwriting hooks that you like like run riot like like the part that sticks out isn't the run riot part it's the get up break out it's that part it's like oh th- yeah. th- if this was the chorus it would be great but then you get the chorus after it. it's just like it's just like I, for, for, to to be crass it's like two orgasms in a row <laughs> it's just <laughs> like you're already wiped out but then another one comes and you're just like i was not expecting that but i'm very <laughs> pleased about it <laughs> He had one left in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I would I would 100% agree. They they have a real talent for cl- making a song climb and yeah. keep climbing. Yeah. You know, it's like, "Oh, great. That chorus was great." And then you're like, "Wait, that was the pre-chorus?" I I know I'm pretty much echoing what you're saying, but Yeah, we're gonna, we're, we're so going to get true. a little bit later we're going to get to a song that I think is the antithesis of that right there. But we'll <laughs> we'll get there later. Um then you get uh hysteria. Did I use that which, word correctly? Antithesis? Does that mean example or is that the opposite? I think antithesis is the opposite. God damn it. I thought I was using a really fancy word and I used it wrong. <laughs> the epitome is what I meant, right? There epitome. we go. All right. Ah, thank you. Thank you go. folks for, uh, for, for having a glimpse inside my brain where uh, <laughs> it's so filled with rock and roll knowledge that I forget how words work. <laughs> <laughs> School is for posers, man. Rock is all you need. <laughs> but yeah, um, hysteria again like you said i said the exact same thing about it being you know it's that song that takes you back to any given summer you want to go back to you know this is the soundtrack to nostalgia this song especially the hook in that song is the fucking guitar part that starts it off 
like you that just the ding 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 just just that the song could have been five minutes of that with no lyrics and i would have been like this is a fucking great song i will listen yeah. to this over and over again it it really is just one of those albums where it's almost like the guitar is also singing you know the I'm, phrasing yeah. yeah the phrasing is amazing the and, phrasing um, is amazing i love that the, f- <laughs> the phrasing is amazing man <laughs> But uh, yeah, and then you get Excitable, which in my opinion is one of the most underrated Def Leppard songs because yeah, it's almost straight up pop, but you know, I don't care if it's very poppy. It's a it's a good time. This is the sort of thing that you'd hear in a nightclub scene on an episode of Miami Vice. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> Like you listen to this song and you're there in one of those like smoky pink nightclubs, you know, it, it gives me that kind of vibe. And I feel then, like it. I feel like it has a lot in common with what we would end up hearing on Adrenalize. I feel like it. Yeah. It, it's it's more in that direction. I I would agree. And then finally, you get Love and Affection, which you know this closing ballad is underrated too. And uh, you know overall, I love this album. I really love this album. Yeah. but not as much as my top pick. And, and what is it? No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> no, um, who, who knows? But, but, um, but, sir, I am going to echo everything that you said, and I'm going to be right along with you because my number two is also Hysteria. Hey. And um, we covered a lot here. So I don't really have a lot to say um, except for... Um, this this was the last album that Steve Clark played guitar on yeah. um, before he died. And it's just one of those things where it's uh, it takes their sound so much further than pyromania um, in in the in the I don't in this not only just the scope, it's almost like the you, you you've perfected something. And so now you try to take this thing that you've perfected and you try to blow it out as big as possible to to cross over into as many areas of musical taste as you can. Like we're going to take the Def Leppard sound and we're going to do it in a way where everyone, no matter what you listen to at the time, I'm pretty sure everyone knew something off of this album. Um, And so I think that's what makes it such a huge important album because they they became like a pop group almost yeah. while still while still having a whole lot of fucking riffs and to somebody that doesn't listen to rock music this probably sounded like metal at times so you know it's still it's still a heavy album it's just meticulously produced and it uses a whole lot of trickery in the studio and technology and um, if I remember right, this was this came out after the album by the Cars that Mutt Lang did, uh, which that album, what the fuck was that album called? Heartbeat City. Yeah. And Heartbeat City, I'm I love that album. I love the Cars, but Heartbeat City is the same thing where you start to hear like Mutt Lang is kind of this mad genius that is a perfectionist about using technology and the studio to get the most perfect, almost robotic representation of a particular artist. It's just like meticulously done. And this is like the Def Leppard version of that. And um, it's got bigger, 
pop hooks the, the you know the the hooks really like take off on this album um but yeah it, you you listen to it now and it almost sounds like it's a greatest hits album especially the first half of it and it's interesting yeah. historically to go back and and look at what was going on at the time because they they the first single off of this album was women and it didn't do anything like nobody really cared it was a yeah. it was a i mean to be completely honest for side 1 it's the worst song on side 1 and it's not the best album opener it's a, it's a it's an awkward album opener for me just because it doesn't really i don't know it doesn't set up the album as well as i think that it should and this is all in hindsight though because it is what it yeah. is but now listening to these albums and really trying to pick them apart to figure out where they go in these lists women is like a song where i'm like there it's definitely the weakest on that side and so that makes it even more of a mystery why they would think that needed to be the first single <laughs> off of the album <laughs> but um, but you know either way it, it became a hit anyway uh, later on down the line um so you have a pretty much perfect side a just like we were talking about with uh with uh high and dry um and then side b um to me don't shoot shotgun and excitable are weak points on this side. I, especially following gods of war, which gods of war may be my favorite song on the album. Cause it yeah. is, it does bring in that thing that we were talking about where they, it's a darker song. And not only is it a darker song, but it has those, those levels that it takes you on with the pre-chorus and the chorus and, the guitar melodies are so fucking amazing. And then Don't Shoot Shotgun is just kind of like a fun rocker. And following that song, it's like, oh, but they can do so much better <laughs> than, <laughs> than this song. So that's probably the big thing for me. As much as I think this is an amazing album, um, when you get to the second half, that's when the I think the inconsistencies start to show on the album. And it's not it's not a perfect album. But I think when you talk about the songwriting quality of a lot of the other songs, like I said before, you're you're talking about, you know, absolutely flawless and amazing songwriting and then other amazing songwriting that just might be a half step down. So it's like it's really, you know, you can't make much of an argument because it's even the weaker songs, the way that they're put together, it's they perfected what that song was. And so it's like this album is almost like a work of art. Like it's, you know, painstakingly put together. And, um, so, um, let me see, what do I have anything else to say? Let me see. We talked about all of these things. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I have to say about it. I do think that even at the time, this was considered a very long album, um, yeah. which it's what it, it's, it's over an hour long, which I think at that point you, you would be, it would be considered a double album if you released an album that was that long. So if they had cut out a few tracks, we may be talking about my number one here, but we're not, we're talking about my number two and your number two. So once again, we have a joint, not only number two, but also number one, um, I, it's exciting when these things happen, but let's <laughs> let's not uh, let's just jump right into it because I, I think we'll have a lot to say about this album, and so uh, if, let's get. 
Go ahead. Sorry, if if I may interject just one last thing about hysteria. Sure. Um, if you know you were say you were saying w- women is is a weak opening track, which side A song would you swap it with to really open the album with a bit more of a punch? Oh sh- um, I, If I had to choose from side A, maybe Armageddon it would be number one. See, I'd um, just go. I'd just go straight up and just throw "Pour Some Sugar on Me" right at the front, <laughs> just, just for that step inside. Walk this way, you yeah. and me, babe. Hey, hey. Dun, 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 I guess you're dun, dun, you're, you're, pro- you're probably right. They would that would be that would be them cherry pieing this album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but I mean, if I could pick any song to be number one, I feel like run riot would have been a killer, just like a faster track. Cause if you look yeah. at it, the only fast songs that you can consider quote unquote fast are all on side B there's, yeah. there's no fast songs on side a. So starting it off fast would have been kind of cool, but as it is, we're talking about an album that if we weren't if we weren't ranking these albums and it was just two of us talking about hysteria, I would just be like, this album's fucking perfect. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's just nitpicking at this point. Totally. Cool. So we, we both know what both our number ones are. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so hit it. Okay. So, uh, you know, obviously the third and final album that Rick Allen's left arm would be present for. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> okay. Um, I was drinking when he said that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I just had to say that one. Um, it's, it's a mix of the poppy elements of their future works with the hard edge of their early work. And that's what sets this album apart from the rest of their albums. Because, you know, obviously their first two albums straight ahead rockers pretty much obviously on the first album you got a bit of experimentation whereas the second album is just boom rock and roll this has synth and funny like 80s effects thrown in but it's not totally abandoned that early metal edge that they still were holding on to yeah you know there's some very heavy moments on this album and um I'm just going to jump straight into the track by track. My notes aren't very long on this album, um, but on this album, um, um, but, um, but, um, but, um, <laughs> which is it's, probably a good thing. We've been going, we've been going on for well, it's only an hour fourteen. As our episodes go, this is this is turning out to be a short one. So we can we this, can extend the word album if you really want to. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so I, I come up with this like four hour word <laughs> for album <laughs> but yeah i'm rock rock till you drop it, it it's very reminiscent of let it go yeah on on the first album but i feel like it's got that added sense of poppiness which really kind of elevates it to an even higher plane i i've i've pretty much it's funny actually my notes all start with fuck yeah for every single song (laughs) yeah plus Um, like with with the with the chorus of rock rock you you finally hear the those big fucking backing vocals that's it it just sounds and i I, i'll use the word uh, meticulously over and over again with these albums but it just sounds like a like 
otherworldly things going on with these, the, like the, these vocals. Like you, if you told me there was 500 vocals recorded, I'd be like, I, I, I hear it. I hear it all in there. And they're all yeah. different harmonies. They're all these t- tiny different harmonies because it sounds huge. And that became a thing that Def Leppard did and do where they, I don't know how it is that they're, they're the combination of their voices and, um, you know, the obviously, you know, production of, of the, of the vocals, but their backing vocals sound like nobody else. Yeah. It's just this huge chorus of things that I feel like a, you know, a rock, rock till you drop. If you just sing it one voice, it's all right. It's pretty cool. But you add that big fucking chorus yeah. of everyone singing it in the harmonies. It just sounds like an anthem right out of the gate. <laughs> like it's just like there's, they started off on a high note. Definitely. And I feel like that's, that's very prominent throughout pretty much this entire record. Yeah. It's this is the album where they perfected that huge gang vocal sound. And you know, there's elements of it on the previous record, but nowhere near as good as here. Yeah. Um then you get Photograph, yeah, which is a classic. As far as I know, is this the only how many music videos were made for this for this album? Is it just um, Photograph? Nope. Photograph, Too Late for Love, Foolin', Rock of Ages. Oh, wow. Yeah. Th- those um, are three videos I haven't seen that I need to watch. So the, well, the, videos, the videos that I remember, so Foolin', if I remember right, has, like a, has a whole section where... Uh, is that the one where Joe Elliott's wielding a giant sword? Um, <laughs> I have to see this now. And then, and then Rock of been? Ages has like guys in robes with their cloaks, with their faces obscured. Um, but most mostly it's just performance videos. You know how like the photograph video, it has a little bit of other elements, but it's mostly just Def Leppard rocking out in a room. Um, yeah. th- they're all kind of that in different, with just different things interspersed. But I don't even, I, I think there's a video for too late for love, but I'm now I'm now I'm not remembering what it looks like, but I think it's just another performance video. Yeah. And like, even in such, this is probably the poppiest song on here. Yeah. But even when like when the I see your face every time that bit when the chugs come in they're yeah. really heavy guitars yeah. you know dun, 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 really going for it for photograph is it was my introduction to Def Leppard but also um th- that song along with i would say probably uh jump by Van Halen yeah. they, they they were the two tracks that really made me go there's this music that i need to start listening to when i was i was a little kid seeing those music videos and being like this is a sound that i don't hear around the house but i want to hear a lot more of it and so i could almost draw a line from photograph all the way to just me being a fan of all the other bands i get into because it really like had that guitar sound and i was like that's the sound i like clearly yeah so photograph is an important song for me yeah, and it's an awesome song. It's a great introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you get this fucking speed metal song with Stage Fright. I yeah. love Stage Fright. Stage Fright is up there with White Lightning for me. It's it's 
one of my top three at least Def Leppard songs. There, also, that's a good example if I if I'm thinking of it correctly in my brain because um, I, 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 but they do they do this thing a lot where um, they're very good at going from minor to major in the yeah. like like a verse will be in a minor core a uh, key, key and then it switches to a major in the or vice versa. Um, they're very good at doing that in a way where. Um, you don't even really know that that's what they're doing. If you become a huge fucking music nerd, then you start picking it out. But Stage Fright, I believe, is one of those where it's a little more, it's a little more of a straight-ahead rocker. And then once that fucking chorus kicks in, it's very big and and um, feel good, you know. But yeah, uh, it's 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 just uh, it's amazing songwriting. What can we say? Definitely. And um, then you get track four, "Too Late for Love." Which is and it, like probably the earliest example I can think of. I suppose you could probably say the same for bringing on the heartbreak, but this is how to do a dark sounding ballad. Yeah, you know, and for a ballad track, it's very it's very rocking and heavy. You know, when it really comes in with a well, that's Get what, down. Like, yeah, well, that's, so that's, what, that's what makes a, a really good power ballad to me, is the power part has to be there. Yeah. You know, and I think eventually because of, you know, the popularity, well, I guess this is later on down the line, but you, you had, you know, even, I would say even Every Rose Has Its Thorn, that one doesn't really have the power part to it. Sure, it kicks no. in with drums and guitar and stuff, but it, it doesn't have... There's no, uh, the best ones always have riffs in them. Like you're yeah. always getting that little bit of heaviness along with the ballad. For sure. And um, even, it's even got like the classic 80s, whoa, yeah. whoa, kind of gang vocals in there as well. And yeah. they were just really showing off by this point. They were like, we've got this kick <laughs> We've got this kick-ass sound, and we're going to fucking blow you away with it. Yep. And, you know, and they just keep throwing these great songs at you. Die Hard, The Hunter. Mm-hmm. You know, that riff is ace. Fooling. You know, absolute tune. Rock so, of oh, Ages. So hold like, on. Well, we, we, we can't pass up Fooling. So oh, fooling oh, no, it, I'm just... Fooling is the song I was going to say is the epitome of them taking you to different levels and you're like already satisfied with the song. Yeah. Like fooling is one of those things that every level the song goes, you're just like, this is amazing. Oh my God, this is even better. Holy fuck. Like it's literally just a, yeah. the, such a well put together song. And it just gives you the idea that these guys just had ideas just falling out of their pockets and they just be like, Oh, you can you pick that up? That's an idea for fooling. We're going to throw it in here, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so, that's just yeah, fooling is one of those things where you I could probably talk for a half an hour on that song. Yeah. Because there's so much going on in it and the how great the songwriting is and the guitar work and the vocals and the the production. Like it's just um it's probably, you know, one of my favorite it's up there as one of my favorite Def Leppard tracks for sure. Yeah, because like that pre-chorus especially keeps on climbing. You and know, then you get, and then finally you get the riff, the and down, then down, boom. Da, da, da. like it's like, 
you're already satisfied. And then you get this badass riff for the actual yeah. chorus. Like, yeah, it's just, that's just a killer song. And then Rock of Ages, another song. It's just great song after great song on this album. And th- yeah. this is, this is what made me pick it was, you know, I hear songs pop up from Hysteria and I think that's a great song. I hear songs from this album pop up and I think, God damn, that's a <laughs> fucking good song, you know? And yeah. then I, and then I think, hang on, what other songs are on that album? Are all of those songs in one place? Holy shit, they are. Yeah. And, you know, you got even the album's deep cuts, you know, coming under fire. I'd say probably action, not words is like the forgotten song, but I even love that I, one. I that, love it. The one that chorus kicks in. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Man. And then finally you've got Billy's got a gun, which yeah. is so fucking, you know, it's a really heavy song. Yeah. And then, just that groove that they're laying down. It's just, uh, I could I could listen to this album on a loop. It's one of those, it's one of those albums for me. Yeah. And you, and you, you, we, we just went through this and, and my, my big point for why this is number one was just made. We never talked about a song being not as good as other songs. Like yeah. there is not a bad song on this record. It is legitimately perfect from beginning to end. There's no point where I go, Ah, maybe they could have left that one off or done that one better. No, it's it's nothing but ten absolute bangers, and it's, I uh, yeah there I there, there is I have no complaints about anything on this album. It's it's um it's e- even the non single tracks are amazing songs. Definitely. And, it- um. Yeah, I don't know if you had more to say, but I was, I was jumping in there. I, I just wanted to say, you know, in terms of track listings, there is absolutely no fucking around here. Yeah. It, it is 10 tracks of absolute banger after absolute banger. It's like on, on Hysteria, his, even Hysteria, admittedly, has its peaks and troughs. This yeah. is so mind-blowingly consistent that I have to... I sometimes have to make sure I realize that this album actually exists because it's <laughs> it's almost like this impossible feat of of music writing to have an album this fucking good. Yeah. It's a, as they say all killer no filler, which is you know, that 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 applies to this album absolutely. This is definitely one of those albums where I can't think of a low point like I, I was thinking initially action, not words for me was the least memorable. But when I listen to it, I still think this is really good. And the only reason I forget it is because it's this deep in the album and yeah. it's not the final song, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of, it's uh, a lot of those songs I think um, benefited later on from technology and the fact that you would shuffle your music so if yeah. a, a, a song like Coming Under Fire just comes on on its own, it, it's the best thing that you've heard all day. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll throw my couple of points in here because this is also my number one Def Leppard album. But I, this is easily the, the album where they perfected their sound. They, there's no, they could not have done it any better than this. 
Um, yeah. and, and this is the last, um, um, the last album with Pete Willis. Um, cause he played he wrote, he wrote some of these songs and he, um, played on a lot of the album and then he was kicked out for substance abuse issues. And then Phil Collin was brought in to finish things up. Um, but, um, I, I really do think that, uh, you have to give, um, a lot of credit to that combo of guitar players, because I think that, you know, as you, as you, you see, you're seeing here from, you know, my, you know, my, my top three all include, you know, Steve, uh, uh, Steve Clark, um, and then obviously Pete Willis in on this one. But I, I just think that, I, I don't know. I feel like that those guys now being missing from Def Leppard is a, a, a huge, um, what would you say? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a strength that they no longer have. Um, they, yeah. they don't, they don't have the songwriting and riff writing of those two guys. And it's very clear that they were very important to mm. what they were putting out there. Um, so yeah, so on this album, there's no, there's no writing by Phil Collin. Um, and, um, yeah, I think I've said everything in my notes. I think I've said, um, there, there, there is, a um, one of the great things about this, and I've said this before, I said it about hysteria is, um, this is an album where you, there's so much to unpack from all of the songs, um, sonically, um, from a songwriting standpoint, from performances, it's just one of those albums where if you sit back and put your headphones on and you really start paying attention to each individual musician and what they're bringing to the table, there's, there's so much there's, everyone is on their a game and, and everyone just fucking rules. And it's, um, it, it's one of those things where a- albums like this, um, and I would even throw high and dry and hysteria in those, in these, in this camp, it's an album where like I start using the, the term song crafting. Cause it mm. just, it seems like you have people who write songs and then you have people that like build the perfect song. Like it's the, it's songwriting, but it's also this sort of weird, there's a science to it or something like, it's just like, sure it's art, but now we've found a way to take this and, and we have a, f- a formula formula is a bad term because it doesn't sound <laughs> formulaic, but it's like a, it's like some sort of equation where they know how to add everything up to make it this perfect entity, like each, each little track. Um, and I know that Mutt Lang had a lot to do with that too, working with them, but um, it's one of those things where this album alone is an album where when somebody lumps Def Leppard in with other bands from the eighties, I think it's absolute ridiculousness. There's, they are a band that stands on their own. Nobody sounds like Def Leppard and they, um, easily, you know, annihilate pretty much anything else that came out around the time. I mean, um, we could be talking about metal albums and there's other great metal albums out there, but, but something about the perfection of pyromania, uh, just makes it seem like it's almost, it's transcendent of genre and, and whatever was going on at the time. It's just like this thing that existed 
Um, and it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going a little bit too. <laughs> it's just, nice, a, cool. it's a perfect album. It's just one of those things where it shows that Def Leppard was a, a band that was in a league of their own. And, um, it's, it's the best, it is the best Def Leppard album, Left Leppard. All right. I've been talking too long. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to stop. Do you have anything, you have anything else to say? Uh, I just, I mean, what, what else is there to say? Pyromania. It's just, it's unrivaled. It's yeah. so, it's in a league of its own. In, in my opinion, it you know, Hysteria is the iconic one, but Pyromania is the perfect one. Yeah, and it's 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 so good of an album to me. Just to give to to I don't know to go, to toot its horn or you know whatever <laughs> even more. <laughs> so if I remember right, 1983 is um is that the year Number of the Beast came out? Is that 1983? Is that Number that- of the Beast? Number of the Beast is 82. So this okay. is the year year following. Okay, so this is Peace of Mind, probably, 83. Yeah, that's the one. Um, so you, you're dealing with an album like that, and I think this album is better than, yep. than Peace, of, Peace of Mind. So it's um, it, th- just giving it that kind of weight that in 1983, with all these other amazing albums coming out, um, you know, w- one of one of which which came out from our favorite band of all time. You have Kill 'Em All came out in 1983. I will yeah. easily put Pyromania above Kill 'Em All. Like it's Le- leagues above. So it's so it's that says a lot <laughs> coming from me because there's these albums that I just think are absolutely perfect, but this is the most perfected of all of the albums that came out that year. So. Um, <laughs> So before we go on for too long, there, there we there you there you go. Do you have any final thoughts here? I'd say, you know, it's 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 clear, you know, there there really is a line drawn in their discography where, you know, it's ninety-two between the years of eighty and ninety-two, they released their best work. Uh I suppose you could make the case for um retroactive being you know, a uh, uh, release, but that that's a compilation. But oh, yeah. that has good shit on it too, though. Oh, that, oh wait, I, I, I do. I think the original version of Tear It Down is on Retroactive. I need to listen to Retroactive. I think. Yeah, I've heard good things. It's also got that song that I love. That I know we didn't talk about this, but we we might as well. We got time. Um, uh, I love. Uh, is it called Miss You in a Heartbeat? I love that song, but I like the electric version of that song. Yeah, but um, but that is such a fucking good song. I, I'm glad we talked about it because I'm not. We weren't going to get to it because it's not on an album. It's only on retroactive. <laughs> well, we've got we've got a little little moment. This is one of the shorter episodes, so we can give it a little bit of love. Yeah, I don't even. I'm, let me go, let me pull it up real quick and look at retroactive here and see what's on, what all is on it because it's uh. So retroactive was in '93, and that was a it was a compilation of like B sides or or non album tracks or other things. But it's got uh, it's got two steps behind, which ended up being on the Last Action Hero soundtrack as well. Yeah, um, which is uh, a great soundtrack. Yes, yes, I, I I agree. Okay, no, never mind. I guess Tear It Down is not on retroactive, but um, it has a whole lot of great tracks on it. And um, you could really say that that's the ending of, because there's still, this still has tracks that like Steve Clark, you know, was, was yeah. involved in. So you could really say that 
This is kind of like the, if you wanted to put a nice little button on the end of the classic uh, Def Leppard era, I think Retroactive is probably a, the, the place where you stop. Um, yeah. Because so. kind of slang onward is our bottom half. And, you know, kind of 90, 92 and backward is is the top tier stuff. But, you know, they're really good at what they do and they know what they're doing. It's, it's just a shame that, um, you know, Rick had to lose an arm and Steve Clark lost his life, you know. I, I, I kind of wonder what would have happened if... Um... So let's say we live in a world where Pete Willis was never kicked out of the band. Steve Clark survived. Um, um, uh, Rick Allen keeps his arm. What, what happens? Like, does hysteria happen? I have a feeling it would have. But the things that came later, it would be really interesting in, to, to be able to be in an alternate universe where the nineties come and you can, you get to hear what that initial, those initial five dudes, what they would have done. Um, yeah. Cause, uh, that, that guy, that would have been so interesting, but I mean, to be fair, like a lot of the, you know, there was a lot of songwriting from Clark on, on, uh, adrenalize and that was very poppy. So maybe they would have, you know, gone down the same route. Maybe they wouldn't have made slang though, or maybe they would have made slang earlier. Maybe, you know, maybe they would have made a heavier record. I'm a big fan of like kind of alternate history theories. So yeah. like this idea of like y you step on a bug and the world completely changes or something yeah. like that, you know, just a single event shaping the rest of the future or something. And y you know, you've got your obvious, like, you know, what if Dimebag was never shot or what if cliff never died and, and things like that. And, when you think about these big events that happened to such influential acts, it would be interesting to peer into a parallel universe where, you know, these tragedies never happened. And, you know, would the music be better or worse? Or, you know, obviously we wish they were still alive, but... Yeah, that's, would, that's the thing the... is that you were talking about lives here, but there is that part that um, I, be I believe we, we talked about this a little bit on when we our very first episode when we talked about Nirvana, it's like um, I don't think we would have gotten anything else good. You know, it's like you know I, I don't want somebody to die, but sometimes the 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 large story, the big picture of it all, when it comes to a band, um, sometimes they end up becoming the band that has the influence and reach that they do because of the shitty things that happen. And yeah. um, so it's interesting to to think of things that way. Cause it's, cause you know, you get bands that are just happy all the time and um, eventually they get boring. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it's almost like things have to happen, you know, in your band, um, something has to happen. And then, you know, I don't know. It's a, that's, that's very interesting. That seems like it's a podcast episode all in itself. Us taking, our theories of of what albums would have sounded like if if people would have survived or or we could even do one where people die. Oh, the, you know, the, everyone wants to say to do that that joke of 
of having Cliff change bunks with Lars. <laughs> it's so mean. Like, it's very, it's very mean. I'm not one of those people. I like Lars, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's like if you take somebody else out of the equation, how does that, yeah. like we could literally do an entire podcast, a separate podcast with hundreds of episodes, all talking about parallel theories <laughs> of bands. And that would be truly the height of nerdiness right there. That that's an interesting thing. Like, how about how about this? Like, Slayer sticks to the makeup and actually gets more commercial. Like, <laughs> and they end up do it. They end up pulling a co- like Celtic fl- Frost and they do their own like Cold Lake. Oh god. Like, um, <laughs> or or at the very least, they become like a Wasp kind of band. Y- yeah, that'd be fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, okay. Well, we're we're totally digressing. So clearly, we're we're <laughs> we're coming down off the high of talking about uh, pyromania. But um, if you have any last words, let's uh, let's get them out before we uh, bid everyone adieu. Uh, pyromania fucking rules. <laughs> Agreed. That's all we have to say. Um, so if for some reason you're you're listening to this one first. Um, go check out part one and uh, we discuss um, all of their albums from slang onward. Um, and, and we do, we, I mean, I, I, for, there's a good amount of us gushing over stuff from those albums too, um, yeah. here and there, just not to the, uh, not to the extent that you heard here. <laughs> Let, less, less consistency. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's all we have uh, for this episode of Cranked and Ranked. Thanks for, for joining us once again. We'll be back soon with another band um, and some more ranking. And um, I think it's time to get a little bit heavier. So uh, we'll see where that takes us for the next episode. But yeah, um, but yeah thanks, for, thanks for listening. If you're on YouTube, thanks for watching and put your comments down below. And uh, as usual, I'm going to let Eddie take us out, sir. Do it. Later, dude.